I'm Farah Duro, and you're listening to the PCS Revolution Podcast. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the PCOS Revolution podcast. I'm excited today because I have friend and longtime podcast guest who's been on the show a few times, Sarah Clark, here to talk about today something very near and dear to my heart, which is preconception and postpartum care with PCOS. So I want to introduce her to you quickly for those of you who don't know her. She is a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And, you know, she also is the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally, Fabulously Fertile Cookbook, and Fertility Preparation Program. And she's also super proud of her signature fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve their chance of having a healthy baby and pregnancy. So welcome, Sarah. So glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back, Sarah. I am. And this is something that we get emails about. We get questions. We also work with this a lot in our clinic, you know, definitely with the preconception part, but we also are getting some feedback from a lot of people that, you know, PCOS and postpartum care, it's not adequately addressed because there are certain challenges that come up. So we need to start with, with preconception care because we know, as we know, preconception care is actually going to determine a lot of times how you're feeling postpartum as well. So, so what, first of all, what started you out on this path of working with fertility and pregnancy and that sort of thing? Yeah. So I had my own journey with infertility and was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure and had both my kids with, with donor eggs. And then years later discovered I had these food sensitivities. And later after that gut infection, I had chronic bladder, sinus and yeast infections. And then at the, at the time when I discovered all this, I was fully in menopause. So then I really, if you're still cycling naturally, there's things, there's things we can do, but really looking at those different symptoms. And I had, I was given I had irregular periods in my early 20s and acne, and I was given the pill. And then when I went off the pill, the periods were still irregular, the acne was still there. So it was just a band-aid solution. And then being on the pill then impacted my my nutrient levels and the, the, my body's ability to absorb them, and then also the health of my gut. So predisposing me to these food sensitivities and gut infections, and we see this quite a lot with people being most people that I that come to me, I ask them, you know, obviously they're, they're struggling with infertility and they've been on the pill when, and the majority of them did not go on the pill for prevention. They went on it because of either acne or irregular periods, you know, painful periods, heavy periods, and then they come off and the issue is still there and it hasn't, hasn't been fixed. And now they're struggling with infertility. Definitely. And if, if any of you have been listening to our previous episodes, especially this season with Dr. Jolene Brighton and Dr. Laura mm. Brighton, we've really focused on, you know, that the reasoning, find the reason behind why you're on hormonal birth control in the first place or why your doctor wants to put you on hormonal birth control so that you'll save time in the long run also and save a lot of frustration when it comes time to trying to conceive as well. Because the biggest complaint we hear from our patients is I wish I would have known this sooner. Right. Absolutely. You hear that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're here today to save you some, some frustration. And number one, when, when you are thinking about starting a family or when you are trying to conceive and thinking, okay, I'd like to conceive in the next year, hopefully, where do you start? Like, where do you start with your clients when they, when they first come to you? Yeah. So we look at this, the stressors. So the people that come to us, I'd say everyone will tell me they're eating a clean diet. Well, most people will tell me that. 
And then when we, we dig into it and they say, I don't have any food sensitivities and we dig into it, actually the majority of people we work with have a food sensitivity. So we start people off by doing the, the elimination diet. It's really the gold standard to figure out exactly how food impacts your body, taking out dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, and eggs, take those up for 10 days and then systematically reintroduce them and see exactly how, how each food impacts your body. So people have brought back in corn, they could flare up their asthma, bring back in dairy, they could feel phlegmy, bring, bring back in gluten, digestive issues. So it's different for everyone. And you really need to go through that elimination diet. And we have both partners do this. So for, for, for preconception health, it is the male and the female partner. It is not, it's a lot of, most people that come to me are women, but we will coach couples because it's, it's, it's both. Even if the man's saying, my sperm is totally fine, there's always things we can do to optimize preconception health. So that's for both partners. And, it's, and a lot of times with food sensitivities, people think, oh, it's just digestion, you know, the, the diarrhea, constipation, burping, bloating, those things can be common, but not normal. So that's one, one piece of it. Another part of it, for food sensitivity, is mood issues. Some people that have brain fog, ADHD, depression, anxiety, irritability, which is what, what, what I had, some mood issues, skin issues. I had this as well, obviously with acne, but psoriasis, dermatitis, hives, so skin rashes, and then joint issues. I had this with painful joints, arthritis, swelling of the joints, and then also autoimmune issues. We see a lot of people coming to us saying, oh, I have infertility. And oh, by the way, I have an autoimmune disease. And it's not, oh, oh by the way, that's a huge clue to dig in deeper, you know, and you and you have one autoimmune disease, you're at a, a higher propensity to get another one. So to really be able to dig into those factors and food really does impact it. And it's not about, so the elimination diet, you're taking those foods out. And some of them you may find like, so if there isn't any kind of reaction, you would then keep the food out. And we also will pair that with a food sensitivity test. We like the leap MRT. The thing with the food sensitivity test, a lot of people are saying, you know, it is a snapshot in time. There's no perfect food sensitivity test, but it is to, but not to go like super restrictive because sometimes people are coming like, oh, I only am eating like six foods. So it is to, you still want nutrient dense foods and, you know, foods that are preparing your body for pregnancy, like how, like a lot of, you know, making sure you're getting your proteins, your healthy fats, but it's, it's, if you've gone super restrictive, you know, there could be a leaky gut going on. So if you're, especially if you were on hormonal birth control, so factors that will influence the, the leaky gut would be chronic stress, hormonal birth control, antibiotic use. Those are the, kind of the main ones. And so then you could get a food sensitivity test and be intolerant to all your favorite foods, which I had. I came back and I'm like, I was like intolerant to avocado. I'm like, are you kidding me? But then as you heal the gut, then then that can improve. So it is to take those foods out for, for the foods in the yellow for 60 on, on the food sensitivity test, to take them out for 60 days, foods in the red, you keep them out for 90 days, and then you can then reintroduce them. So it's just to be careful to not go down that slippery slope of, oh my goodness, all I'm eating is, you know, steak or whatever it is. So, because we see that a lot too, where people go the other way, being very restrictive. Typically we see a lot of people that the two top allergens are dairy and gluten. So you see, we would typically recommend keeping those out for 90 days for both partners. And then either after the 90 days, if you're not pregnant, then dig into the gut testing. But the food piece is really huge. I think a lot of people miss the part on that. They might go gluten light or dairy light. And if your body is intolerant to it, even a crumb of it is going to cause an issue. And we see a lot of people with infertility that have high gluten sensitivity, be it either non-celiac gluten sensitivity or undiagnosed celiac disease. 
And so if it's non-celiac gluten sensitivity, we recommend the whole house going gluten-free because even your husband coming home, having a beer and then giving you a kiss or having you know a bagel and giving you a kiss, those crumbs could then cause a reaction in your body. So the food piece is huge. It's just the, there's the caveat about not going too restrictive and missing out on those nutrient-dense foods. Well, that's so key because inflammation starts somewhere. It doesn't just randomly appear. Mm-hmm. And so you're really kind of getting upstream and figuring out in the beginning what's going on. And yeah, and amazingly, you know, people will lose weight. A lot of women will start losing weight as just an unintended side effect if, if needed, you know, because they've gained weight, we found with past fertility treatments also with, you know, not exercising because they're told not to exercise a lot of times or, you know, also the stress eating from just going through the whole thing. So I think that really helps. And with the gluten-free, you know, we've had, we had a patient recently lose 30 pounds in the last two months, just preparing for IVF on that particular program. So just, you know, just trying to cut out the dairy and the gluten and also introducing a lot of anti-inflammatory foods. So, so you can get the secondary benefits too. And, and also we see, you know, that there are now these hidden little inflammatory issues with the uterus. I don't know if you've noticed that endometritis seems to be coming up more and more and more for our patients. Like where, and they're like, where did it come from? Like it's inflammation inside your uterus. I mean, it's not endometriosis, it's different. So mm-hmm. that inflammation and that autoimmunity can really hide in different areas. It doesn't just depend, it's not specific to one organ. So, so what you're talking about is so important and it's great to have the partner involved because it makes it easier if your partner is actually on board you can do it together and you feel good together and you can suffer together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the beginning, it's like, oh my goodness, we're eating this stuff. And yeah, it could suck in the beginning. And then as you start to, because this is not a sick population that's coming to me, probably the same for you. Like they're not sick, but you don't know how, how awesome you can feel until you take some of those inflammatory foods out. And you're like, oh, some of those little weird issues that you were dealing with, either skin or headaches or brain fog or some of these, then these, these issues then start to lift and you, you know, you get, you know, renewed energy. And yeah, a side effect of this, a great side effect is, is weight loss. And I mean, we, we, we know how weight can impact ovulation and the success of IVF and it can impact sperm quality and testosterone levels. So the weight piece is huge, but if we attack the weight like dead on, this is not how we look at it. We sort of say the weight loss is like a nice side benefit of you know, stop eating crap out of a box. Like don't eat, pro- like the process, just forget the processed foods. It's not about you surviving on a, on green juice every day. It's just eating, you know, like real Fruits food. and veggies, yeah. And- <laughs> yeah, and, and meats and stuff and fish. And it's, but if you haven't done any home cooking before, it can, it can be a bit of a transition. It can be, it can be tough in the beginning, but now we're lucky we have all these, you know, we can get a, a, a box delivered to our house for, or like meal, like meal delivery services and veggies and meats delivered to our house. So there's lots of things to help us, but we've outsourced our cooking to the food industry. And that's why we're sick. Definitely. And so definitely starting with the food sensitivities. And then do you do any toxin testing, like heavy metals, anything like that? Or is that something just that comes later on? Yeah. Like we, we focus on the food sensitivity testing and then we do the, do the Dutch test. So looking at the hormone levels and seeing exactly you know which pathways they're 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 going down just really gives us a a clue to develop a protocol because sometimes people will come in and they're they're think they're taking different supplements for what they think they may have 
And really when you're doing the Dutch test, you can actually see exactly the, the pathways of the hormones and see exactly what your cortisol level is doing. And maybe if you're over supplementing, we see this a lot with melatonin because you're having issues sleeping and now your melatonin is like through the freaking roof or it's really low, which can be an indicator of a gut infection. So we will pair the Dutch test. And as part of my team, I work with a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She's the one that's going to be going to be running these tests and then developing that protocol. And then we do, in pairing with that, we do the stool test. So this, the key one, if, if there was a cost thing and you were you know, looking at two of them, the two we really would recommend would be the hormone test. Obviously, we're looking at fertility. We want to see you know, where, you know, where your hormones are and the stool test. The food sensitivity test. I wouldn't like if, if budget's an issue, I wouldn't worry about the food sensitivity test. I would for sure do the elimination diet. Most people are though are in a kind of a panic of when they want to have their children. So they want to like really nail in the food piece. But if budget's an issue, I would do the Dutch test and the stool test. And so we look at the, we, we use the GI map test, looks at the DNA or stool. And the majority of people that we work with, something comes back in the stool, be it a parasite, a bacterial infection, a fungal infection, and so if you've got a if you've got a gut infection going on, that's your body wants to survive, not not procreate. So and we see H. pylori being passed back and forth. I've heard that H. pylori can kind of hide out in the, the dental cavities too. So you're kissing your partner and H. pylori going back and forth. So being so really there's a then a targeted protocol to eradicate what's going on. Because if you have a gut infection and you're just like, oh I'm gonna like you don't know what you have, you think, oh, I'm gonna, you know, do a gut cleanse and just, you know, whatever that whatever that may be. Yeah. So with the gut infections and a lot, if you're saying, Oh wait, I don't really know what's going on. They're all just doing gut cleanse. But if you have a parasite and we see this very regularly, like on a regular basis with people having gut infections, you have to take a, do a a specified protocol then to eliminate it and then retest to make sure you got it because there's biofilms on the, on the gut bugs. And once you, you eradicate some, you'll find sometimes there's other ones underneath and then you would then do an additional protocol. Typically, that one's not as long, maybe 30 to 60 days. And typically, most protocols are about, are about three to four months. So it's very, very targeted. But like, so the stressors on the body are the food sensitivity. So people, so people miss that. The gut infection, people, I, I, I don't think anyone like, thinks of looking at the gut. And the gut actually is key to, you can forget this whole infertility thing, it's key to all of our health. So any issue you have going on, to look at the health of the gut. And if you've been on hormonal birth control, that's going to predispose you to the food sensitivities and gut infections. So to, to really dig into that piece. And then another stressor on the body would be the environmental toxins. So really, really digging into cleaning up what you're exposed to. Exposed to. And it's, you can't have it perfect, but you can really minimize your exposure. So looking at your personal care products, like switching over to organic or, or natural ones, making sure it's not the greenwashing. And so going to... So, which is sort of labeling it as organic and natural and meanwhile, it's full of chemicals. So you can go to the Skin Deep database and check your products there. So you want it between a one and a three. So just check your products. People kind of go, sometimes people get very focused on this and sort of lose their mind a little bit. So it's, it's basically as each product expires or is finished, get a new one because otherwise it's, it's, it's extremely costly and you're, you know, you're throwing everything out and you're starting fresh and that's too much. So as each one ends, then you go and get a new one and find one that, that works for you. So the personal care, go to the Skin Deep database, the cleaning chemicals, same, switching those over to, to natural ones. And again, if you go to Environmental Working Group, you can, you can check yours and then find other ones that, that, that'll work for you. Looking at your water, 
So making sure you have a water filtration at the minimum, looking at a, at a Brita, but a Brita won't filter out everything. I like the, I like the Berkey, which will filter out the flu- the fluoride, the chlorine, the birth control pills, like all, all of those things out of your water. And then another one that people forget about is the shower. So getting a water filter in the shower, because when you're in the shower, you're inhaling all the vapors from the shower. And then that's, especially if you have a thyroid issue, you're, you're inhaling, you know, inhaling all those, which can be fluoride, which can be contraindicated for, for thyroid. So getting a, a filter, I like the Berkey filter. I think it's like 30 bucks. So installing that on your shower, your plastics, making sure you're drinking from a glass water bottle or a stainless steel water bottle. Cause the, I think, I think a lot of us know about the plastic side of it, not microwaving and plastics. So really getting rid of your, your plastics. And even if it says BPA free, there's other chemicals that are not so good. Exactly. Right? Yeah, because yeah, BPA free, then they went to moved it to B- BPS, which is just as harmful as BPA. But we're like, oh, it's all BPA free. No, just do glass or stainless steel. Just and it lasts long. It's a little more of an investment, but it the but it lasts longer. And so when you're when you're heating up your food, you know, try to heat it on the stove if you can. Obviously, at your at, at work, maybe you can heat it up and put it in a thermos before you before you leave, because using a microwave kind of changes the consistency of your food. But those environmental toxins, and then also the exposure with your, you know, the EMF, the electromagnetic field, or for yeah, field. So like for men, taking the taking the phone, you know, definitely out of your your pocket, and same for women, like to not charge your phone beside your head at night, even for sleep. Just like taking having you and your partner take the phone out of the bedroom. Yeah. And just because you've got those, you know, you can put it on, on, on night mode, but it's just to take it out of there. Cause a lot of times the first thing we look at in the morning is the, our, our, our emails, which we really want to wake up on our own, our own schedule, not someone else's schedule of stuff coming in. So yeah, the environmental toxins, I think. And then also a big one for women to look out for is their feminine hygiene. So I think a lot of times, you know, we're using uh, conventional tampons and pads that are sprayed with glyphosate, which is a herbicide linked to infertility, a whole host of other different diseases. And it's sprayed on these, on these conventional feminine hygiene. So switching over to a natural pad or tampon, trying the Diva Cup, it takes like, you know, two or three cycles to potentially figure that one out. There's, you know, reusable pads, there's those underwear, think thinks underwear. So really like that would be, we tell our couples right away or our, our women right away, switch out the feminine hygiene because that stuff is going into your most intimate area and you know cause causing potential you know harm and i had i interviewed kiran krishnan from megaspore that's the probiotic that we recommend uh, megaspore and he's a he's a microbiologist that helped develop or founder of the company i think our developer the i've heard about him I, I actually wanted to get him on our show because yeah he's awesome like yeah he's very knowledgeable yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he talked about the vaginal uh, microbiome and a lot of times we're going to the gynecologist and they're putting all that stuff, you know, that lubricant in our vagina. And that is like completely obliterating our, our, our vaginal microbiome. So really being, being aware of that. And I, you know, cause I was dealing with infertility and a lot of people dealing with infertility. We're seeing our OBGYN or our RE on a regular basis and, and, you know, using those products that are not, you know, not helpful. So I uh, mean, the, the ultrasound gel, the vaginal ultrasound gel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I that. wonder what the alternative. I know. I was like, I, th- I don't know if he's aloe? like if it's <laughs> aloe or co- I'm not sure if coconut would be recommended or jojoba. Yeah. So, but to, yeah, to be aware of that too, that that can be disruptive because there's all the different microbiomes, the, the, the skin microbiome, the, like they're talking about leaky skin, leaky gut, leaky mouth, 
leaky brain, leaky, you know, all, all of those, it's, it all ties together. So I've interviewed a bunch of people on those different subjects. I interviewed someone this week on dealing people that have a psoriasis and really the key, the key to this, if you wouldn't think it was psoriasis because if you go to a dermatologist, they're going to tell you creams and some medication, but it's actually healing the gut. So back to the gut again, but so those are yeah. So those are the environmental toxins. Really seeing what you what you inhale, any place in your skin, and what you're you know you're drinking out of, and then also your mental emotional stress. Like that is key as well. You can eat this beautiful healthy diet. It's all you know free of the top of allergens, anti-inflammatory, and you're just you know on your way. But you're in a toxic relationship. You are you know hate your job. You are stressed to the max because you're working you know 55 hours plus a week. And you have not got honest about your mental, emotional health. You could have, you know, trauma from whatever may, you know, may have happened in your, in your life and even trauma going through infertility. So reaching out for support about that, really getting into the self-care and it's more than the mani-pedi. It's more like, that's nice, mani-pedi and massage, who doesn't like that? But like the self-care is more like saying no, like being able to say, you know what? Yeah. Even though I'm excited about a bunch of stuff, I'm like, mm, No. Do I really want to do that right now? You know, what really lights me up? Like when I coach people, we do this like circle of life and one of the categories is joy. And a lot of times their joy is just like, it's taking a nosedive because this is infertility is impacted. It's really stolen their joy. So it's really then to do small things every day that kind of light you up and you either it's looking at gratitude, looking at journaling, like and even creativity, is it like for you, what gets your creative juices going? Is it, is it maybe that drawing, like those adult coloring books, dancing, like something where you're like, yeah, man, I just like feel like alive. And a lot of times we put a, we could have shelved those things that brought us joy because we're so like focused on this journey of, you know, expanding our family or having a baby. And it's, it's to get back to that, that piece. Definitely. And then even like, sometimes our patients will say, I look forward to this acupuncture treatment the whole week. This is like, this is what I, this is my time, yeah. you know, and the phone is off and they have meditation playing yes. and they're, you know, having that time that's so important. And they're like, I would come here every day if I could. <laughs> but I know, sometimes yeah. just getting out of your environment, getting out of your element, you know, that's, that's important. Taking a trip. Yeah. Some people take take a vacation after an IVF, well, a, a short vacation because <laughs> that's all they can afford now, you know, but after an IVF cycle, just, you know, taking a few days to get out of town, that sort of thing after all that stress. So, so I, yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about like those things are really important. That's a good advice for preparing your body and preparing your mind for pregnancy. And so what about if you have not had those things in place and you're pregnant now or you're postpartum and, and, you know, maybe you're not ready to get pregnant right away again, but you're also dealing with some issues with, you know, postpartum depression perhaps, or some, you know, baby blues they call, or just, you know, issues with digestion and that sort of thing. Like how long would you recommend someone waiting in order to get their hormone levels checked again, or to do this type of food sensitivity testing and things like that? Yeah. So a lot of, obviously we recommend people taking like at least six months to focus on this ahead of time. So, because you can't, if we find a gut infection or there's a food sensitivity, there could be die off and you know, trying to conceive, actually actively trying to conceive if we're eradicating a parasite is not recommended. So postpartum health, if you haven't addressed some of those things, you may have a rougher period. So I 
I didn't, and I've just heard about this postpartum rage. I, I wasn't like completely raging, but I definitely was like super irritable and it was, yeah, it was a, a tough time for me. So, and I didn't figure out the food sensitivity piece and all that later in my health. I really, my health was just not great. Like I had nine colds after my daughter was born. Everyone went into a science infection and I took all sorts of antibiotics and completely eradicated my, you know, my, my, my gut flora and good and bad gut flora. So to me in the beginning, obviously it's like the self care pieces. So it's like digging into the sleep piece. Like really it's, it's hard when you have a newborn, obviously trying to, to look at sleep, but sleep when the, obviously sleep when the baby sleeps and really asking for support. Cause I think, you know, in the, in the past we would do this in a, in a community, in a tribe. And now we're like, Ooh, we got to do it all by ourselves and we don't want to ask for help. But it is important to, to because people want to help, and but it's just being able to ask them for, for what you need. And maybe it's what you need to have someone look after. Their, I know in the beginning for us, like all I really wanted was like just to go out with my husband and go out for just like maybe an hour and for dinner or something and have someone look after the, and so being able to ask for that. And I guess this, like the self-care, so looking at your, your sleep, we like a few apps, like a good one is if you're, if you're having issues with sleep and you're snoring, so that could be an indicator if there's potential sleep apnea. So you can, not to say you want to like, I don't know if you want to really dig into that at that point, but there's a, but there, if maybe, maybe your partner's snoring and it's interrupting your sleep. You can look at the app snore lab and see if you are snoring. And then kind of, you can dig into that to optimize it for sleep. You really want to, you really want to make sure you minimize your, your, your blue lights. So you can get those blue light blockers, they're little glasses, or you can just on your phone, you can install flux. So I think it's F period L U X. And then, or you can also, if you have the iPhone, put it on, put it on night mode, making sure that it's not those blue, those blue lights. Cause that interrupts your body's ability to make melatonin, your, your natural melatonin. And then you could be, cause a lot of times you can, you could be up typically to get, to get, get to bed before 1030. Cause after that you get a second wind and you'd be up to like one or two in the morning. So attempting to go to bed earlier like and to minimize the screen time and if you are watching screens just to make sure you have those those blue light blockers on and obviously if it's a tv it's hard to do that you, you would need the glasses making sure your room is dark like if there's any tv thing in there like blocking those little those little lights that come out i've since started sleeping with a sleep mask and i tell you i'm like this i got like a 100% silk sleep mask and it's like this dusty pink color and and I had like blackout blackout blinds but because our our bedroom faces a street lamp it was like still there was like a little crack of light coming in there and with this sleep mask it's like this like little hug I, I don't know how to describe it I would highly recommend a sleep mask it just really makes you kind of go into like like a coma I don't know, I, I love it yeah so keeping it dark and then also the bedroom itself making it just for sleep or sex. And if you're co-sleeping with your little baby, then that as well. But like having it just for not like you on your laptop working or, you know, just having it for those two things, because then it gets, when you're in there, you're thinking of things you have to do, whereas your bedroom should be like this, this sanctuary where basically you're sleep, you're sleeping or you're, you know, you're getting intimate. So looking at that piece and also having that night routine, if you can, to if you can somehow have, have someone help with the baby while you go and have a bath and you know always change into pajamas too to make that sometimes people will go from like maybe wearing jogging pants and a little t-shirt go right into bed 
And so it's not like that transition. So it's like the body has to have like a clue that they're going to bed. So like maybe a bath. I like putting essential oils on and then putting on pajamas. And you can do some visualization too before. It might be difficult. Oh, you got a baby and I'm telling you all this stuff. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. <laughs> but even I was if you thinking pick, about like, even taking a bath with a baby, sometimes it's so hard. Oh, like, yeah. I remember those comes days. In yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put a little, yeah. uh, little, I don't know what it was called, but it's some, some sort of little chair for the baby. Like, a oh, yeah, the little chair. Yeah, inside, they sit there. Inside the, uh, on, you know, in the bathroom just so that you could take a bath. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even like, so it's like some of these things, but maybe just picking one and it's maybe for you mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to take the blue light blockers and make sure if I am watching, up watching whatever program you're watching, that you're, that you're actually putting the blue light blockers on so that it helps with your melatonin. You're not like, like wired at two o'clock and keeping your room dark. Yeah. That's excellent. And cool enough because sometimes yes. just, you know, a lot of, I mean, sometimes we have patients that can't sleep because it's too hot in oh, their yeah. room and the partner likes it hot. They like it cold and they're fighting over the thermostat. So yep. I don't know what the ideal temperature is, but try to get it to where, you know, you're, you're not waking up hot at night. Yeah. Below 68, I think, or ha- we have a fan going even with the air conditioning on, but it just, otherwise, yeah, I'll wake up like in a lather and you're just uncomfortable. I actually got another thing is to look at if, if you feel like investing in this and I, I, we just did, but organic sheets and I got a bamboo comforter. Ooh, and this bamboo comforter is like, yeah, this ba- it's, it's not that, it's funny though, because it's like these sheets, I don't sweat as much because it's not that synthetic stuff with all the, you know, the, the toxins on it. And then the bamboo comforter is very thin. And I'm like, oh my, I'm in Canada. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to freeze. This is ridiculous. But no, it actually keeps you cool in the winter. Sorry, cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And I don't know how it works, but I like it. And it's, it's, you're not like piled up with all these blankets and you're sweating and, yeah. So oh, that, maybe that you have to link is... to that comforter because yeah. I'm in Florida and I can't find one that's right. It's like yeah. you're hot, you're super hot at night or it's like never warm enough. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, pamper yourself. You do, this is a time for your self care and asking for help. And even during pregnancy, don't feel like you can't get a prenatal massage or have some time to yourself as well to be able to, to calm your mind a bit because there's a lot of stress and fear that comes up during pregnancy. Like, am I going to be a good mom? Is this labor going to go how I think it's going to go? You know, all these questions. So it's okay to seek help to get treatment and to, in fact, there is research that if you do acupuncture during the third trimester of pregnancy, the rate of postpartum depression decreases. So a lot of times with PCOS, we tell our patients, if you can get in some treatments during that last trimester, that's actually going to be really beneficial for when you have the baby, because there is a little bit more anxiety and depression we know with, with PCOS, but we can do certain things. And also your hormones are really tanking after the delivery. You have all this estrogen and progesterone in your body. And then once you deliver it kind of like everything kind of starts plummeting. So, so sometimes your body is going to go through a lot of uh, changes, just trying to deal with the the crash of the hormones and breastfeeding can help sometimes too with that, but it, it can be difficult. I know I had a difficult time also with my daughter. So, and you know, there wasn't much help around my family doesn't live near me. So it was tough. So I'd say, you know, be, be okay with not doing everything yourself. And, you know, obviously prepping meals, like putting them in the freezer before labor is also good so that you get home and you actually have stuff already cooked. It's great if someone else is cooking for you, but if you can, you know, prep it yourself, that's really good. And just know that be patient with your body. It's not 
going to be six months that, you know, everything's back to normal. It could take a year or two to just be patient. These, these media images of these women, you know, it's six weeks postpartum, just completely bouncing back, being in the gym and just, you know, having great skin, great hair, great now, you know, it's a bit of a myth, I think. I mean, it's just not, it's not reality. If that's you, that's great that that's happening, but that's not the majority of women. You just, you've gone through a marathon. You've gone through, you know, being pregnant for nine months. So just expect that your body could take up to a year or longer to get back to normal. So that's, and that's okay. You know, you have to have grace. <laughs> yeah. I like Chrissy Teigen, how she talks about this, where it was like, okay, she's walking around, she had some extra, extra weight. And here she is like a supermodel. And she's like, this is my, it's, it took me a while to get my body back and not this like pressure to get into your skinny jeans after like, as you say, six weeks and putting all this yeah undue pressure on ourselves and the acupuncture. I really, yeah, I highly recommend that. I've, I was, I hadn't done it in years. And this, this year I'm like, okay, I'm going to a chiropractor to get the, I didn't really have neck issues, but I'm like, I'm going to go to a chiropractor every couple of weeks and acupuncture and that acupuncture, I go in there and I, I meditate on a regular basis but I go in there and my mind's kind of racing a little bit and I'm like, Oh, here we go again. It's kind of racing. And then they put the needle needles in the first 10 minutes. I'm like, eh. And then I something happens in that second period, <laughs> that last 10 minutes where I'm like, I am off in this, like complete, <laughs> this complete state of bliss. I leave, I'm like floating and yeah, like I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. It does take a little while for your brainwaves to actually change a little bit and get to that point. Yeah. And I think that's great. And it, it also is beneficial, you know, just to think about preparing for pregnancy as well, obviously and getting your cycles on synced because that's the biggest fear also is, is this cycle going to be regular? Is it going to come back after I have this baby or is my period just going to be gone forever? You know, <laughs> so that, that can, the more we work on some preconception care, like we've been talking about and also, you know, getting regular treatments. And if you are doing acupuncture, acupressure, those sort of things that really help. And then, you know, the same thing that can also help you with preconception care can help you in postpartum as well. It's just that you do have to be a little bit more aggressive about blocking your time. Like, okay, guys, you're going to help me, right? I'm going to go to my session. I'm going to, I'm going to have one hour to myself every week to do something. <laughs> you deserve <laughs> no it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just sitting in nature and just being like, okay, <laughs> let me, let me relax a little. And so definitely that that's so important. I, I'm really glad that we're talking about this because it's often an ignored phase. It's really considered, you know, the fourth trimester, but we're just, we don't talk about it so much because it's like, oh, you're good. Everything's great. Now at your six week checkup, you can go ahead and do what everything that you're supposed to be doing, but that's not often the case. So any advice you'd like to give our listeners is if they are thinking about trying to conceive in the near future or trying to prep their body for pregnancy? To me, it takes 90 days for the egg to renew itself. The life cycle of the sperm is 70 to 80 days. I'd say an absolute minimum of three months. Typically, six months is going to be better. I had Dr. Ben Lynch on the podcast, and he's the author of Dirty Genes and really an expert on methylation and MTHFR. And he was talking about, he was talking to a friend. He's like, why, why do we spend 12 to 18 months preparing for our wedding and then one month thinking we're going to get pregnant? Why don't we swap that around? Like We are affecting our future generation He's actually saying that the infertility, infertility as a gene or infertility itself can be passed on to our children. So if we're struggling with this right now, the body is telling us and like to me, racing off to the IVF or IUI 
is the absolute last step. You know, if the majority of us can get pregnant naturally, there's a few of us that have some structural issues, but if the majority of us can get pregnant naturally, like why, why do we think the first step is to go to IVF or an IUI? To me, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, the technology is available and it's, it's faster, but also it's, it can take an average of, you know, three cycles and it costs us $60,000 for it to work for an, for an average IVF. And then you've got the postpartum issues because you haven't dealt with any of the stuff that, so that, that you're dealing with and then potentially it's you know, impacting your, your, your children as well. So I didn't deal with any of this. Both my kids have food sensitivities and other health issues, which potentially could have been avoided if I had focused on my preconception health. So it, it may feel like right now it's like a panic to have your child, but it is to like in the grand scheme of things, taking that six months to really work on this. And if you've got a gut infection, you've got a food sensitivity, if you've been on the pill, if you've got stress that you just haven't dealt with, like we see a lot of people that have been through multiple failed IUIs and IVFs. And we look at their, their Dutch test and their cortisol level is just like, they are burnt out. Like they are just completely freaking exhausted. And they, and it's, it's to kind of like, you have just got to go Uber into that self-care and some of the strategies that we talked about and really focus on yourself. Like now is the time to mother yourself before the baby comes. Cause if you even got this shit done now, like when the baby comes, it, it is like massively difficult to focus on yourself when the, you know, when, when the baby comes So right now to focus on, focus on that and really, you know, and you, you do the best you can. I, I got diagnosed when I was diagnosed with POF, I didn't get a second opinion. And I went straight down the, the, the fertility clinic route and was, was lucky enough it worked for me, but years later, my health took a nosedive. So it catches up to you eventually. So to me, it's like taking this time now, and then you've like created this like solid foundation. So when you're, it's interesting now with this whole movement with organics for, you know, plastics and all this stuff for babies, like, why are we doing all these things for a baby? Like we're making sure the baby isn't exposed to things and getting organic foods and, and all that. But then why haven't we done that for ourselves and preconception health? Mm-hmm. So true. Yes, I agree mm-hmm. completely. Yeah, and we're learning more. We say, you know what? The, we'll learn new things every every year about yes. the gut microbiome and about those prebiotics that are so important and and probiotics during pregnancy. Now that that it wasn't usually wasn't even talked about during pregnancy. So you know, to actually pass those on to to our future generations so that they have a good immune system going forward. So, so all those things are coming out now. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be alive. I say, (laughs) because we have so much great information here that we just need, we need to implement. So you work with, with couples and women all over the world. How can they find you and what's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, they can find me on my, on my podcast at uh, Get Pregnant Naturally. So we interview, we talk about functional medicine, natural fertility solutions, mind-body solutions, all geared for people that are trying to conceive and really focusing on preconception health to optimize that instead of going straight to IVF or IUI and really taking that functional approach where we look at look at testing as the as the starting part. But a lot of people get caught up in the testing. So it's more than the testing. It's all these different strategies we talked about, but yeah, definitely check out, get pregnant naturally. It's the best place to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. And I really love talking to you. We get so much out of it every time. If you guys want to check out our show notes, we'll have all the links that we've discussed there on our website at floridacompletewellness.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Have a great week and take care of yourself, everyone. Thank you.
If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you have to check out the PCOS Revolution Academy, where we go through all of these topics and an easy to follow, totally online, step-by-step process so you can stop giving PCOS the upper hand. Join me over at thepcosrevolution.com to find out more about how you can sign up and also get access to some very cool freebies I've created for you. I'd love to have you join me inside of the Academy for our monthly live Q&A session to get all of your PCOS questions answered personally. Thanks so much for listening and see you soon. 